Well, good morning. It's good to see you here today. For those of you I've not met, my name is uh, Rich Doring. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at, uh, at Real Life, and we are thrilled that you're here today. A couple of things, uh, just very briefly here before we jump into some other things. This is kind of the day where we're just going to kind of, there's just a lot going on today, okay? And so one of the things we do want to make you aware of, and, and Chandra, our operations director, mentioned this earlier, there is a new ministry starting tomorrow night. So if you're new to the church, you're looking for a way to get plugged in, a way to get to know other people, uh, it's real life care ministry. And uh, it's just an important ministry in the life of our church, the size of our church, making sure people get connected, making sure people are loved on, that we know the needs that are going on and any needs that we might be able to meet and care for one another, encourage one another. If you want to learn more about what that might look like, it's a very simple ministry to engage in, and she's going to love this, but I'm going to ask Mindy Eggleston if she would stand for just one second. Mindy is in charge of this ministry area. Would you thank her and give her a hand? <clears throat> she's prepared a lengthy speech, at which point she sits down, So, but uh, Mindy does a great job working behind the scenes, and so we're excited about that. Six o'clock tomorrow night, right in here, so if you're interested... We'll be in here sharing more about what that looks like. Also today, we have this incredible opportunity to bring in new members into the church. And so on the screen, you're going to see the name of all the new members that are going to be joining our church today. If your name is on that screen, I'm going to ask you if you would at this time to come step forward. And uh, we're going to receive you into membership today. So everybody's jumping really, really quick. So come on up if your name is on the screen, as well as Pete Trinidad. Come on up, Pete. All right, good job. Thank you. Would you, like, encourage the people to come up? All right. <clears throat> A bunch more will be in the second service. Why don't you go ahead and stand right over here, Pete. Um, I want to read for you uh, the, the membership covenant. We take in partners. We call them partners in our church because we want to invite people to partner with the church in mission with the church as well. There we go. Good deal. And... Uh, at the same time, too, it is church membership, but we want to treat it more like a partnership. We're in this together. We're on mission together. I want to read for you the membership covenant, uh, just because I think it's, it's very important. And then at the end, I'm just going to solicit one response from you. Does that sound? You don't have to speak. You know, there's no speech. There's nothing like that. But this is the covenant. If you know anything about on-ramp or you've heard us talk about on-ramp, this is the end result of those on-ramp courses is walking through uh, the, the gate of being a church member in fullness. So let me say this, having received Christ as my Lord and Savior, being in agreement with the values and ideas presented in the on-ramp course, I now feel led by the Holy Spirit to unite with the real-life community church family. In doing so, I commit myself to God and to the other members to do the following. And these are broken up into four different areas. The first area is this, I'll protect the unity of my church. You can imagine how important that is in the world that we live in today where it's so divisive. Uh, I'll protect the unity of my church by acting in love toward other members, by refusing to gossip, by following leaders. The second one is I'll share the responsibility of my church by praying for its growth and health and by inviting unchurched friends to attend with me and by warmly welcoming those who visit, by finding my place in the mission as a partner. The third one, I'll serve the ministry of my church by discovering my gifts and my talents by being equipped to serve by the leaders of my church, by developing a servant's heart. And then finally, the fourth one, I will embrace and support the mission of my church by attending church services, life groups faithfully, growing in Christ's likeness as a disciple, 
finding my place to serve, and participating in the privilege of giving regularly. Uh, if you commit to these things, would you please respond by saying, I will? Good. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you for your love for us, and thank you for the opportunity we have to be your church. And but Father, this covenant, it's easy just to have a piece of paper that says those things. It's a different thing to live it out. And so I pray that you would help these individuals live out what it means to be a partner in this church. And at the same time, would you help us as a church, help us, me, as a leader in this church to embody what it looks like to be a partner in this church, to model that for others. I pray for their families today. I pray for those that are in their lives, Father, by divine appointment who do not yet know Jesus Christ, that you would use them. Father, in a powerful way as a witness to the love and grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray today. Amen. Amen. We have a shirt for you, of course, because we have shirts for everything, and a certificate. Would you congratulate them and, and welcome them? Thank you. Good. Thank you, guys. You can go ahead and go down. Thank you. All right. Since we're just thanking everybody and doing all kinds of stuff, it's your joy worship this morning. Would you thank the worship team and the media arts team for everything that they do? <clears throat> a great job today. So um, on any given Sunday, on any given Sunday, or any day really for that matter, there are things, there are things that are done in the life of a church uh, where if you take those things out of context, they're just weird. They're just kind of different. Okay? For church people... If you're a church person, you've been around church for a long time, um, I think the oddity, maybe, of some of the things that we do are lost on us sometimes. Uh, it's commonplace to us, so we really don't think about things too much, or when we see something, it just doesn't have maybe the shock value that really the original intent for those things. And the things that I'm thinking about and talking about right now in particular are two things, the sacraments of baptism and communion. So for example, let's just take communion. Let's take communion. Uh, imagine visitors from another world show up. Right now you're thinking, oh, that, that's the kind of church this is. Okay. All right. Hang with me here. Hang with me. Otherworldly visitors show up. They're friendly. They say, hey, we just got here. We want to learn more about you. Would you take us to some of the most foundational things that happen in the world that you live in. Some of those just core things that really makes humanity special, makes you who you are as people of earth. And so we get some ambassadors and these ambassadors decide we're going to take them to all these places around the globe to show them what makes us us. And so they take them to all kinds of places that make us intriguing. They take them to the opera. They can take them to art institutes so that they can see how how humanity expresses itself emotionally and in all kinds of different ways in the arts. And so then, of course, they take them, because I'm all about the food, to the, the United States mecca of good food, which is New Orleans. I just discovered that this summer. And uh, I can't wait to go back. But they, they go down there and they're like, oh, yes, we get it now. We understand you people. And uh, they get to experience all of this amazing stuff. They take them to places like Dubai, to see what humanity is capable of building, literally, in the middle of nowhere. Just the amazing abilities that we have. Of course, there'd be trips to places like um, Lambeau Field in Green Bay. 
so that these otherworldly visitors can understand just how great human beings can be when they work together and accomplish so much at 3.25 Central Time this afternoon. <laughs> they take him to the libraries where they have books on the Green Bay Packers. I'm just kidding. Um, take him to the library, show over time how humanity has grown, how we have learned and, and grown. Uh, but then on this worldwide tour, there, there would need to be a specific, several specific stops because it would become clear, I think, very early on to our friends that for us, for humanity, there is, there is this desire to connect to something else. We have a desire to worship. We have a desire to, to connect to something beyond ourselves. We have a desire to connect to God. And so what they would do is they, they, these ambassadors would take these visitors from another world to religious sites, Machu Picchu. They would take them to the pyramids. They would take them to the Sistine Chapel. And then inevitably, they would walk through the doors of real-life community church. Real life community church. So they bring them in, okay? They see how this faith in God is shaping us. They hear the music. They see the sights. They, they see the smiles and the hugs. And they see the bowed heads and reverence. And they just really begin to see, okay, there's, there's something to this. And then out of nowhere, somebody hands somebody some bread and says, this is my body. Eat it. And you're, right now, our visitors are like, um, and they're like, hang on, hang on. Here's some wine. It's my blood. Drink it. You know what? This is a great place. We just wanted to say hi. We're on a little trip somewhere else. We just wanted to make a stop. We might be back. We'll let you know. You don't call us. We'll call you, okay? It's weird, okay? It's okay to say that. It is different. Or as our focus is today, baptism. Okay, baptism. Is it okay if we just get real today, real life? This, baptism's weird. Okay, first of all, we're going to set a hot tub up right in the middle in front of a bunch of people lined up in rows. Like, is somebody going to dive? I mean, is there, is there like a high dive into this? We're all like watching this thing like something's going to happen. So all these otherworldly visitors are watching us. We're erecting a pool in the middle of a room where we're all facing it, we're all looking at it, some dude is going to get in with all of his clothes on. That's weird. And then other people will get in there with all of their clothes on too. And everybody will be taking pictures and lining up to see. And we'll hand out even more shirts. And there will be all kinds of different... And then all of a sudden, somebody will be body slammed into the water and brought back out. And people will cry and clap, and then they'll do it again. Okay? It's just weird. It is okay to acknowledge that. It's a little bit different. And I think we forget that sometimes. And, if, and, and what happens with that and other kinds of things, imagine that you and I have no context for what I just described. Imagine you have no context for that at all. Generally speaking, here's what happens. When you and I see or experience something that we don't understand or have a context to, we start interpreting it through our lens, or maybe the lens of culture, or our own upbringing, and we begin assigning purpose and meaning to things that maybe weren't originally intended for those things, okay? So if the answers are not readily available or consistent, we start to interpret things, speculate, we fill in the blanks ourselves with a meaning that might be a little bit off, okay? 
Now, this happens all the time. It's happened to you. Have you not ever had your words, the things that you have said, taken out of context and made you to look a certain way in the eyes of others? Has that ever happened to you? Okay. Happens all the time. Okay. Or how many of you have ever heard one side of a story and because that person's your best friend, they're clearly telling you the truth, right? You only hear one side of a story, but then you begin to draw conclusions and assumptions based on that one side when you don't have all of the information. Have you ever done that? This happens all the time. And I'm sharing this about these sacraments, communion and baptism, for a reason, because communion and baptism sometimes are ascribed meaning and purpose that they were never intended to have. Uh, I think many of us, again, uh, particularly if you're a church person, I'll let you decide if you are or not, but if you're a church person, I think sometimes we forget how hard it is to walk through the doors of a church for the very first time. Some of you sitting here right now walked through the doors of these church today, this church today for the very first time. Kudos to you. That takes guts because you have no idea what you're about to walk into. I think... Sometimes we forget, if we've been in the church world very long at all, what that feels like. I've been there. I've been there. Uh, you're going to hear the Word of God preached maybe for the first time. You're going to see a group of people sing, raise a hand, weep together. It takes guts to walk into the door of a church for the very first time, so thank you for being here. And I, I learned long ago that I don't have the privilege of assuming that everybody understands why we do what we do. It's okay. We, we, we don't need to make the assumption that everybody understands why we do what we do. Uh, the church needs to create space for that understanding. We need to create space for that grace in these things so that people can understand, can grow into them. And if the church does not do that, if the church does not make a habit of bringing people along on the journey, uh, then the fault lies with the leadership. The fault lies with leadership if people begin to assign their own meaning to things and their own purpose to things, okay? That's why periodically I think it's important to talk about stuff like baptism and even communion and things like that, why we do what we do on a macro level in a setting like this, in a large group like this. And at some point in the next year, uh, we're going to teach directly about the sacrament of communion uh, as a means of grace. We're going to do it in a creative way. Uh, a means of grace is something that God uses in life to nourish, strengthen, and give expression to our faith. Give expression to our faith. And so today, very briefly, we talk about this sacrament and means of grace, baptism. So in my life, I have like top five movies. And there's a specific movie, and it floats between three and four, okay? Uh, first of all, it's an awesome movie. If you've never seen it, it's based on actually some ancient literature. It's the Odyssey by Homer. Uh, it's, it's been adapted to Depression-era southern United States. The movie is called, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Some of you have seen this movie. If you've not seen this movie, it is amazing, okay? But along with being amazing, it is absolutely hilarious. It is a funny, funny movie. Now, my wife consistently informs me that not everything that I think is funny, everybody else does, okay? But I think it's a hilarious movie. It's got some incredible, unique music. It's, the whole storyline is just amazing. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, there are all kinds of twists and turns. It follows these three escaped convicts. 
who've broken off of a chain gang, and the main character is trying to get back to his wife, who's been engaged to somebody else, and he's trying to win his wife back, and he lies to the two convicts he's chained to to break out with him about some treasure that they're going to go find so that they'll help him find his wife and so he can get back to his wife. And then all kinds of little twists and turns and, and everything. And if you read Homer's The Odyssey, it's a really cool adaptation of it and all this other kind of different stuff. Obviously, yeah, I'm a geek about it. That said, there's a scene in that movie, and I so wish that I could show you this scene. But if I do that, Facebook will cut off our live feed because of copyright laws. Okay, so I'm going to set the scene up for you. It is almost the best scene in the movie. All right, so the three, they're hiding near a river when a congregation who's singing, and they're all wearing these big white gowns, they start coming through very slowly the forest towards the river. They're coming down to have a baptism service at the river. And they're singing, when I go down to the river to pray, and it's just this beautiful, and these three convicts who are dirty, they're eating a rat on a stick. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're standing there. And they're watching all these people go by, and pretty soon the, the next scene is, there's a preacher, he's down in the river, and there's a line of these people dressed all in white. They're coming down, and it's happy, and he's baptizing people in the river and everything. And these three are standing there. And the main character is George Clooney. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is dumb, rah, rah, rah. And all of a sudden, Delmar, one of the three, takes off. He gives him his hat. He takes off, makes a beeline to the preacher in the river, runs out there to the preacher, cuts in front of everybody, stands there, and the preacher grabs him and just takes him down brings him back up, and then ensues this statement that is just, I think it's just hilarious. As that's happening, one of the other convicts is standing there and says, well, Delmar's just been saved. <laughs> and so here he comes. He's coming out of the water. He says, well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed. The preacher done washed all my sins away. All my sins and transgression is a straight and narrow from here on out. Heaven is my everlasting reward. That's, that's what he says. Though the main character says, hey, what about that Piggly Wiggly you knocked off? He says, well, well, I didn't do that. And he says, hey, what a, well, well, I lied. I lied. But the preacher said those sins have been washed away too. He says, come on in, boys. The water's fine. The water's fine. Now, it's this great scene that plays out. Now, the visual of it, the visual is really good. The theology, uh, kind of halfway there, all right? What it represents is what happens when we're left to fill in the blanks. When we're left to fill in the blanks. The Greek word for baptism is baptizo, and it means to envelop something completely. That's what baptism is, to envelop something completely. So how would we define Baptism, you'll see it on the screen. Baptism is a public announcement of your decision to live for Jesus and that you have received, you've received his forgiveness for your sins. It's an outward expression of an inner work of God in our hearts. It's an outward expression of something that's going on on the inside already. Okay. Now for me growing up, I had a very specific picture of what baptism was. Uh, I grew up Catholic, meaning that uh, I was baptized as soon as possible after I was born. So being Catholic, we had a huge family, so I attended a lot of baptisms, a lot of baptisms. 
And the pattern was pretty simple. The pattern was there would be a, a baby that would be born. We would get dressed up. We would go to the church. We'd watch the priest sprinkle water on the baby. And then we'd go eat cake. That's pretty much what the pattern was. Okay. Now, in my mind, and this is my experience, okay, baptism happened when there was a new birth. Baptism happened when there was a new birth. And in a very real way, I wasn't far off in my thinking. If baptism does represent anything, anything, it represents new life, new birth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 So if anyone is in Christ, enveloped in Christ, they are a new creation. New. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. New life. New birth. But to understand fully, honestly, the meaning of baptism, you have to understand it has as much to do with death as it does with life. I want to share with you another passage. It's Romans chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. It says, How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Now, throughout Christian history, there's a lot of traditions, and the tradition I was raised in, again, the idea was that the physical act of baptism made somebody right with God. Okay? That's not much different than Delmar. The preacher washed my sins away. Listen, you get in the tub with me, I ain't washing you. <laughs> I'm not washing your sins away. That's not, that's not what's happening. The challenge with that approach is that it gives the idea that there's somehow something that we do, that we do that make us right with God. I got baptized and that's what made me right with God. That's not how that works. There is no religious ritual. There is no on-ramp course. There is no church membership class that you can take. There is no catechism that you can go through. No confirmation course that you can go through. There is nothing that you and I can do to fix the sin problem that we have. The Apostle Paul said, all of us have sinned and fall short. That said, what should you do about baptism then? And as I mentioned, I, I was baptized as a newborn, but I made the decision, this is me, to get baptized again in 1998. I was 23 years old, and it was two weeks before I became a full-time senior pastor. I got baptized in a public swimming pool with a bunch of other people. And uh, the opportunity presented itself. Now, <clears throat> I'd known Jesus for about six years at that point. For me, the decision to be baptized again came down to that verse that I just shared in Romans. Before I knew Jesus, even though I'd been baptized as an infant, I can confess to you today that I was not enveloped by Jesus. My life was not about Jesus. My life had no mark of Jesus on it whatsoever. So for me in 1988, baptism was a profession to my family. It was a profession to my friends, to my church, to my wife, and to Jesus, that I am completely enveloped by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. It was a public announcement that the old is gone, the new has come. I died with Christ. He took my sin, and I am new today. I have new life today because of his resurrection. Now, I'm a question guy, so just a couple. Uh, I just want to ask a couple questions, maybe talk about some answers. The first is this. If you were baptized as an infant, as a baby, can you be baptized again? The answer? That's up to you. Isn't that a great answer? It's up to you. It's up to you. 
Uh, if you want my opinion, I don't think it's a bad idea. Uh, I think, I really do believe in one sense, that if you feel in your heart that you can point back to that baptism as a baby, and, that, that, and you can say that represents my current reality of walking with Jesus, I would back that up 100%. I think that's completely appropriate. Completely appropriate. But I also think it's appropriate to take advantage of making a public profession of faith through baptism later in life if the opportunity presents itself. So that leads to obvious another question. What if I was older and I walked away from Jesus? Should I get baptized again? Answer, it's up to you. It's up to you. Now, I will say this. If every single time we set up the hot tub here, I need, all right, I need to stop calling it a hot tub, the baptistry. If, if every time we set the baptistry up in here and you're like, I got to jump in again, we have to have a, another conversation because maybe we're assigning something to it that it's not intended to do, okay? We need to get you plugged into a life group, to a discipleship process. We need to come alongside of you, help you grow in your faith. But, you know, so it's not wrong to get baptized again. That's not the issue. And, and I'm sure that there are more questions. How old should I be? All these kinds of different things. I think personally there's a lot of grace to this, okay? There's a lot of grace to this. The biggest thing that we really need to take away when it comes to baptism in this church is that the physical act of being dunked underwater does nothing in regards to removing sin from your life. It is a public declaration that you have died to sin, that you accepted that forgiveness in your life, and you're making a public expression that you have been buried and you have new life in Jesus Christ today. Now, there are more questions, I'm sure, but the bottom line is you and I were born in sin. And as you look at the world around you, it doesn't take much convincing to know that things are broken, aren't they? Things are broken. They're broken because we are. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to live the unbroken life that you and I cannot live on our own. He died on the cross. He was buried because he rose again. You and I can live too, covered and enveloped by Jesus. We're going to have another baptism service in the future, but today you and I are going to celebrate publicly with a number of people who come before you to declare that they have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you are being baptized today, uh, I'm going to ask that you would stand at this time and uh, come over and sit in this front row. I'm going to rearrange you here just for a second. So if you would do that, just go ahead and make your way over uh, to this front row over here. And uh, at the same time, I'm going to ask all of us, if you would, uh, on the screen, you're going to find the Apostles' Creed. And I'm going to ask all of us to recite this out loud together. It's a profession of our collective faith throughout the centuries. Would you read this out loud with me, the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Uh, at this time, Kaylin Knudsen is going to come, and uh, 
she's going to be uh, reading some stories, and she's going to say the name of different individuals who will come up and uh, join us. Uh, I'm going to ask Philip if he would come at this time, and Mindy as well, for your different assignments. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you call the, the first person up. Taylor Thompson. Before I met Jesus, I felt. <laughs> yes. Before I met Jesus, I felt lost and I didn't believe. I met Jesus when I started going to real life and started to believe. I want to be baptized because I feel it's important to rely on God and to trust Him with my life. Brooke Royce. When I was younger, I was introduced to Jesus. However, I believed less and less each week and I, that I didn't go. After, um, sorry. and became less interested. My whole life has been complicated with my friends and family and myself. About a month ago, my family was going through a rough patch. You see, my dad was going through treatment and felt as though he was unable to do anything. That was when we decided as a family to go to church, and it's brought light and guidance to great health and happiness. Although I already feel as though I'm starting to have Jesus and God by my side, I do not feel quite as close as I wish to be. I still feel guilt and have sins that I would like to be forgiven. So with being baptized, I know that Jesus will accept me and know I truly want to be a follower. Kendall Lemon. I didn't grow up in a family that is religious, but I still used to go to church when I was younger for about a year. Even going to church, I didn't really understand. A horrible event took place this summer, but thankfully God not only saved my bonus dad, he saved my whole family. Then I really understood that Jesus is here with my family, 
I want everyone to know that I met Jesus and he is with me to help guide me, help me, and listen to me. Danielle Nedoff. Before I met Jesus, I was trying to fill this huge void in my life. I felt empty and alone, even in a room full of people. I was lost. My husband brought me back to the church and back to God. He has helped me to understand that God always has been there for me. I want to be baptized because I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and be free in his love and made new. Crystal Forney. I met Jesus when I was a little girl. I walked through life with Christ and was already baptized at age 17. As I got into my 20s, my life choices took another path. I always came back to God, but there was a battle that felt like a yo-yo. After dealing with so much, I chose to follow Jesus and commit my life again in 2016. Now I am in a place where I can't see my life struggles without him fighting with me. I want to recommit my next 50 years to Christ and his purpose for my life. I want people to see the miracle of faith unravel with just that little seed and how it grows in your heart. Shelby Tucker. My life hasn't suddenly been fixed by Jesus. There is nothing external that has changed, but I feel more loved, accepted, and important. I know now there is someone who is always there. I really found Jesus because of this church. The love and devotion that the people of the church have shown me how God brings us peace and allows us to grow into stronger people. I want to be baptized today to display my love and commitment to living my life with Jesus. Ostrander. Before I became a follower of Jesus Christ, my life was average, basic, and I was timid. For example, my childhood was good, but I was shy and didn't venture out and try new things. I felt like I didn't have to really do anything or talk to anyone. I grew up in this church and I knew about Jesus, but then I went to a mission trip this summer to Ohio. 
decided that I wanted to receive Jesus as my savior. So I talked to my brother, Zach Rudd, about it because I was too shy to talk to anybody else about it. Before I chose to follow Jesus, I found comfort, my identity, and purpose in those moments when I was shy and uncomfortable uncom by myself. My life was boring, but now I talk a little bit more, and Jesus helps me to be more brave and talk to people more often and to do things I wasn't able to do before. The areas I still want to grow in are bringing more people to my youth group so that I can so they can learn about Jesus too. Colton Scadden. Before I met Jesus, I was unhappy and wanted more opportunity to serve. I have always grown up around Christians, but my family became more serious and started attending Real Life four to five years ago. I want to be baptized today as a symbol of my new path as a public servant. Riley Anderson. Before I became a follower of Jesus, I felt lost. I was raised going to church with my family and never really felt connected or interested in furthering my relationship with God. I just went. As I became older, I realized I felt lost in my relationship with myself and my family. I knew I had to start somewhere, but I didn't know how, and I kept digging myself further into hurt and confusion. I have always known God my whole life. When COVID happened, I felt it acted as a reason to not go to church and became feeling distant. My family recently started coming back, and I hadn't realized how much I needed and wanted God in my life. I want to be baptized to fully allow God in my life for good, to give my worries, problems, trust, and my every day into his hands instead of trying to control it all myself. God has watched me grow and guided me through both bad and good times and into my current relationships. Now I am ready to give my life fully to him.
Blake Schulte. Before I had become a follower of Jesus, my life was full of confusion. I had grown up in a Catholic church and school and had been very fascinated with Jesus. When I transferred schools, my life became so clustered with things to fulfill me at the time, I separated my relationship with Jesus. I was a mess physically and mentally, not organized, confused with what I was going to do to get on track, and lived by making choices to try to be enough for other people. Although I had a relationship with Jesus as a young child, meeting my girlfriend had brought me back to Jesus. They had invited me to join them at church when they started going back, and I figured I would come because it seemed like the perfect opportunity to come back to him. I want to be baptized because, although I had grown apart from Jesus for a period of my life unintentionally, he was always watching over me and my family protecting us. He had been prominent in many events in my life, from a house explosion to a scary car accident and more. He had watched over me nonstop. After coming to real life with my girlfriend and her family, I have come to fully accept Jesus into my life and live my everyday life through him. Frazier Shorter. Before I met Jesus, my life was very bad, running around on the streets. I felt like there was no more to live for. I met Jesus when I was tired and ready for a change in my life. I want to be baptized and do better in my life. I'm a new person and better sense. Felicia and James Lewis. Felicia, before I met Jesus, my life was chaos. I came to Jesus after I got clean from addiction and wanted to change my life. I want to be baptized to show that this is the point in life to where I surrender and live for Jesus. James, before I met Jesus, my life was chaos and troubled. I came to Christ on my knees, ready for a new life. I want to be baptized so I can live for God and do his work, not mine. Joshua Peters. Before I met Jesus, I was confused and filled with guilt and shame because of the mistakes I had made. 
I grew up in the church, but really accepted Jesus into my life after I found the youth group and the amazing people in it. I want to publicly state the devotion of my life to Jesus. I have realized that my next step in my faith is to be baptized. Linda Burgle. I grew up Lutheran and had Jesus in my life from an early age. When I got married, I became Jewish and spent 21 years being Jewish with my husband. After he passed away, there were multiple storms that came into my life. I then turned back to Jesus and put my trust in him to guide and lead my life. I am choosing to be baptized because Jesus commands us to, and I am following him. I want to continue on my journey of being closer and closer to him.
Join us. Have a good day. Woo!